Let me welcome those of you that are joining us online, as well as our friends in Arco, Idaho, and also in Kalispell, Montana. And today we're going to finish up our five-part series uh, called Forgotten God, in which we've been talking about the uh, part of the Trinity, the member of the Trinity, the person of the Trinity that we don't talk about as much. We talk about God the Son, Jesus, a great deal. We talk about God the Father a great deal. But God the Holy Spirit, we don't talk about all that much. And so we've been trying to balance out our teaching here at Purpose Church in order to uh, give more attention to that third forgotten part of the Trinity, and that is the Holy Spirit. Now, as you came in today, did everybody receive one of these little booklets called Satisfy? Would you wave those around if you got one? Okay, that's awesome. If you did not get one of these, make sure you get one before you leave here today. And Kimberly and I paid to, we wanted to personally give this to you as a personal gift. We didn't want the church to pay for this because we wanted this to be a gift from us to you because we believe in this so, so strongly that outside of how you commit your life to Christ, outside of salvation, uh, we believe this might be the second most important teaching within God's word, the second most important principle uh, for the Christian life. And it really just summarizes what we've taught for the last four Sundays about being not just indwelt with the Holy Spirit, which you receive the Holy Spirit when you come to Christ, but being infilled, filled with the Holy Spirit and protecting that filling when you're losing it, confessing sin and getting that filling back once again. And so we've been talking about that for four weeks. And so I encourage you to take this home, which really summarizes what we've talked about so far in this series. Take it home, prayerfully look over it, read it. There's a little suggested prayer there, which will be a prayer exercise for the filling of the Holy Spirit and to protect that filling. And just encourage you to take this, look it over, uh, pray about it, because we believe this has the potential to change your life. And really, it's just a summary what we've talked about for the last four Sundays. Now, it was written by a man by the name of Bill Bright. And this is a very ordinary man, um, not a great preacher like Billy Graham. And yet, I believe this man was used more than anybody in the hundred years of the 20th century. I really believe in the last hundred years, nobody was used by God uh, more than Bill Bright. And yet, very many people don't know who he is. Very few people know who he is. And it'll probably be, you know, even less at the 1111 service that know who Bill Bright was, even though he started his ministry right here in Southern California on the campus of UCLA. But I believe he was the most used by God, even though he's relatively uh, un- unknown. Um, he was, like I said, an ordinary man. He was a businessman, and yet he used his business giftedness. He used his administrative giftedness. And let me just challenge, many of you are in business, and, and God wants to use your business giftedness. He wants to use your entrepreneurial spirit. He wants to use your giftedness at work. He wants to use your administrative ability. And he can use that just as powerfully, in the case of Bill Bright, more powerfully than any preacher. And, and I really believe you see that illustrated in the life of, of Bill Bright. He started the largest missions agency in world history. Largest missions organization in all of world history, Campus Crusade for Christ. As I mentioned, he started it on the campus of UCLA. He produced, and this is just a fraction of the hundred different things that he did. But another thing he did, these are just two examples. Uh, he produced the Jesus film. And this particular film has now been shown in every country in the world. I remember a few years back, I, a couple of times I visited my friend, Dr. Luke Cutherell. We were track buddies, ran track together at Wheaton College. And he is the administrative head and also the chief surgeon for a large Christian hospital. Catch this, 
north of Islamabad, Pakistan, in Abbottabad, Pakistan. And if that name sounds familiar, that's where the Navy SEALs killed Osama bin Laden. You could hear the explosions of the naval SEALs attack on the compound where they killed Osama bin Laden. You could hear it from his hospital, this Christian, dynamic, large Christian hospital right in the middle of, of Pakistan there or, or north of Islamabad. And uh, God has just used him in such a powerful way. And, and one time when I visited his hospital, all the family comes with the patient. The patient doesn't come alone. The whole family comes along with him. And they're all gathered, packed in this waiting room. And there on the wall of the waiting room, they're showing the Jesus film in Urdu, translated into the language of those people with a clear-cut invitation to follow Jesus Christ. It's now been translated into over 1,500 languages The New York Times said that the Jesus film is the most watched film of all time. The most watched film in all of human history. Now over 3 billion people have seen it. And over 200 million people have made decisions for Jesus Christ because of how God has used uh, the Jesus film. And he's the one that wrote this booklet. And this booklet is really the secret of his life. Because he really believed that the filling of the Holy Spirit and protecting the filling, and once you lose it, confessing your sins and getting the the Holy Spirit back behind the steering wheel once again and and getting him back on the throne of your life once again, that is the most important thing to do. And this is really written by him, the story of his life, and it was the most impactful life that I can even think of uh, within the last hundred years uh, worldwide. Um, uh, You know, when we sin... We lose that filling, and, and I'm hesitant to even say this to you in, in church, but I just heard the best illustration of sin I have ever heard just a couple of days ago, and I heard it at a youth pastor's conference, so please forgive how gross it is, okay? But just, let's just pretend that I'm talking to a bunch of junior hires right now, and they, and they will love that. But the, the speaker said, sin is like sneezing, okay? Sin is just like sneezing. You know how good it feels as a sin builds up, as a, as a sneeze builds up? Okay, anybody like that feeling? How many? Am I the only one? Okay, I don't either. But anyway, I love the feeling when you're about to sneeze, okay? When you're just about to sneeze. That is like such an awesome feeling. But then it blows and you get snot all over the place, okay? That's the way he said it, not me, all right? And isn't that the way sin is? It feels so good when it's building up. But then when it has its end result, you just get Let's do something more formal for church. Mucus material all over, all over things. And that's the way it is with the breaking of, of the Holy Spirit and the loss of filling within our lives. As a sin is pleasurable for a season, for a time, but it interrupts that fellowship. And so the sooner we can confess that and get God, the Holy Spirit, back in control of our lives once again, um, the, the more impact cumulatively our life can have. One more little story that has absolutely no point to it, okay? (laughs) This conference I went to said, your story should always have a point, and I felt so convicted by that, because this one is just for fun, just because, but Brad Bright, Bill Bright's son, he and I also ran track together at Wheaton, so I ran with Dr. Luke Cutherell, and then also with um, Brad Bright, and uh, he is now a leader, a great Christian leader, and a leader within Campus Crusade as well, but I still remember, he's not a perfect person, let me tell you, his 
sin he did in order to break fellowship so that he no longer filled the Holy Spirit. There, this does have a point to it after all. Okay, here we go. We had this swim class. We went to Wheaton College near Chicago, and it was freezing in the wintertime. You know, Chicago is just one of the coldest cities in the United States. And we had a swim class in the middle in January and February. And the pool area is an indoor pool, but it wasn't heated all that well. And the air wasn't all that warm, and the water wasn't all that warm. And I made a point at that time to make a commitment to God. God, if you'll let me live in Southern California someday, I will serve you for all of my life. So so we're in this class. We just hated this class. We just froze the whole time. The water was cold. The air when you got out was cold. It was all cold, cold. And one day, you know, and Brad and I were in this class together. And one day, it just the class just flew by. It was so quick. And I go to my locker and open up my locker and my watch is in there. I'm like, oh, look, my watch stopped. It, it's just, you know, it must have stopped. because. And then we realized what Brad had done is when the teacher wasn't looking, he jumped out of the pool, went to the wall clock and moved it ahead 20 minutes and then jumped back in the water. So that's why his father had to write this book, okay, in order to uh, help them. There, I made it apply. All right, here we go. Now we're going to look at the benefits and blessings of the filling of the Holy Spirit. The last four weeks, we've talked about the filling of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Pastor Chris Brown did that as well. This basically summarizes the first four weeks. Now we're going to talk about the benefits and blessings if we are filled with the Holy Spirit and if we protect the filling of the Holy Spirit. Uh, First of all, the Holy Spirit comforts us. The Holy Spirit comforts us. Isaiah 63, uh, verse 14, like cattle that go down to the plain. I love that. In the same way, the Lord is my shepherd. He leads me by still waters. Okay, that's a a feeling of peace and comfort. In the same way, the Lord is my cattleman, okay, my rancher. And like cattle that go down to the plain, they were given rest by the Spirit of the Lord. This is how you guided your people to make for yourself a glorious name. Uh, Romans 15, verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And even during the hard times in life, especially when you're persecuted, when you're criticized, when you're put down for your faith, 1 Peter was written to a group of Christians that were being severely persecuted. And 1 Peter 4.14, if you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed For the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you ever face any opposition for following Jesus, if your family's not all that happy about you following Jesus, know that the Holy Spirit will be there to comfort you, to give you rest, to give you encouragement. And we see this even at the moment of death. Acts chapter 7, verse 55, Stephen is the first man that was killed for following Jesus. He was stoned to death. People threw rocks at him until he died. And at that moment of death, but Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. At the moment of death, you don't have to fear that moment of death. Uh, Many times we dread that moment. But at that moment, I believe you will be full of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will be there to comfort you. And you will look up. And you will see Jesus standing at the right hand of God as you enter into his presence. That sounds pretty awesome, doesn't it? Okay, the Holy Spirit teaches us. Let's look at some verses on that. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4. Why do we need the teaching of the Holy Spirit? The God of this age, that is Satan, with a little g, has blinded the minds of unbelievers. Sometimes you say, boy, why is it that, you know, to me, just like it's so clear 
why we need to follow Jesus. Why would anybody not take the time to be right with God and to have that relationship healed and, and right? Why wouldn't anybody ever do that? Well, it's because the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers. That's why we need the Holy Spirit to break through that blindedness and to give clarity and draw people to Christ so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ who is the image of God. And then 1 Corinthians 2, verse 14. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. And so God sent him to be our teacher, and that's why Christ came and he walked with us for, for 33 years, but then he went to heaven and sent us the Holy Spirit to continue that teaching ministry. Uh, we see this prophesied in Isaiah 11, uh, verse 2. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. This is talking about Jesus, 700 B.C., 700 years before Christ. The Spirit of wisdom and of understanding. The Spirit of counsel and of might. The Spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord. And then a couple more, 1 John 2, uh, verse 20. But you have an anointing from the Holy One. An anointing from the Holy One. And all of you know the truth. This is how we know the truth, because of the teaching ministry of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said this in John 17, verse 17. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. It's by uh, the Holy Spirit that we understand God's word and we apply it to our lives and we understand the truth. Now, number three, the Holy Spirit guides us. Now, I, I want to show, let's just hold this up for just a second. Um, Marilyn uh, Bullock uh, sent this to me and, uh, you know, people always ask me, where do you get, you know, good illustrations and stuff? And I said, I have thousands of the best researchers in America looking for material for me. And so never hesitate to email me and send me something. I may or may not use it, um, but, uh, but boy, I, I get so much material. I can only use a few things, but I use the ones that fit the message the best. And, and so I'm so appreciative when you do send those things in. But here, here behind me is the most amazing intersection in the world. This is how a major intersection with no white or yellow lines, no directional arrows, no traffic lights, and no one directing traffic works. In this time-lapse video, we see the interaction, intersection of Mescal Square, the nerve center of Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. Check out the pedestrians as they navigate the seeming chaos with apparent though stealthy immunity. Driving this intersection is not for the timid, patient, or slow-thinking driver. No one with those limitations would ever get through. Driving this intersection takes guts, split-second timing, a brake, and gas pedals that work. All right. Now, how many of you, this is a picture of your life right now? Let me just see your hands, okay? Okay. Does, does it ever feel like this? And this is why we need the Holy Spirit to guide us. Now, you got to get quiet enough to hear his still small voice. You, you got to listen for him, okay? Heard a research a couple of days ago. The average person checks their cell phone 150 times a day. Okay, how many of you are going to do? How many of you have checked it already a dozen times just during this sermon? I, I, don't feel guilty. I'm not putting you on the spot because I actually, when I heard this speaker say this, 
Pastor Tomiko, I think you were there. I had already checked my phone about a dozen times by the time he said that in the message. Average person checks their cell phone 150 times a day. Some people check it as much as 900 times a day. Now let me ask you, if you're checking your cell phone while you drive through this intersection, how well is that going to go? How well is that going to go? Or let's take another, another direction. Remember we've been using the illustration for the Holy Spirit that it's like we let him drive instead of us. How many think it's a better idea to let the Holy Spirit drive through that intersection, okay? It, it's better because he knows it, okay? He knows the territory. How many think it would be better for an Ethiopian cab driver there to drive you through that rather than for you to drive through that? Better for him because he's, him or her, because that's their home country. That, they've driven through that intersection. They, they know the way, so it's better to let them drive rather than you. And the same thing is true with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit loves us so much, and he wants to guide us through this complicated maze of life and intersection uh, that we are going through. Uh, Romans 8, verse 14. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. And, and then I, I made a mistake in your study outline. Scratch out Isaiah eight fourteen. I, I must have just went down and did Isaiah eight fourteen the way I did Romans eight fourteen. Uh, go to Isaiah thirty verse twenty one. Write down there Isaiah chapter thirty verse twenty one. I love this verse. I love it so much. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, "This is the way. Walk in it." Isn't that a wonderful thing? That's the promise God wants to give to you. He gave us the gift of the Holy Spirit. And that's why we want to protect the filling of the Holy Spirit. Once we lose it, we want to confess that sin and and get it back once again and get the Holy Spirit driving that car once again. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears are going to hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Now, how does the Holy Spirit lead us? Uh, First of all, through the Bible, uh, through God's Word. And that's why you got to be in God's Word every day. Okay, every day you gotta, you got to be in this book. And that's why if you need a Bible reading program, they are at the Connect Center, Pastor Tomiko. Connect Center. I keep wanting to say Resource Center. We don't say anymore. We say Connect Center. Connect Center in the lobby. Get a hold of a Bible reading program. There, I would encourage you, if you've never done this before, start with a 100-day uh, program. It'll take you five or ten minutes for the next hundred days, or if you miss a day, just pick it up with the next one. Uh, there's one that takes you through the entire Bible in a year, through the New Testament and Psalms and Proverbs in half a year. But every day we need to be in God's Word because it is amazing how what you're going through in life, uh, you don't want to use it like a horoscope or anything like that. But, but it's amazing how what you're going through that day you will find so many times, not all the times, but so many times in God's Word. How many of you have ever had that experience? You're just reading, it's like, whoa, look at that. Or the other thing I would say is the more you know God's Word, the more you meditate on it, the more you memorize it, the more you study it, it's crazy how you're just at work or you're just at school or you're just going through your day and a situation will arise and God will bring a part of the Bible. The Holy Spirit will bring it to mind. How many of you have ever had that happen to you? It's just, and the more you know it, the more material he's got there to bring up when you're going into that situation. Uh, another way that he leads us is through prayer. Now, I, I failed to put one of the most important verses about the Holy Spirit, one of the most encouraging verses about the Holy Spirit, I forgot to put um, in the study outline. And so underneath prayer, right in your study outline there, Romans 8, 
verses 26 and 27. Wrote, write that down. Romans 8, verses 26 and 27. And this is such an encouraging verse. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for. Boy, is that the truth. How many of you have a situation in your life right now and you just have no idea how to pray about that thing? But the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. I like to think that the Holy Spirit is translating my stupid prayers into wise prayers. Okay? Uh, Verse 27. I forgot 27. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And that's awesome that he's translating. He's sitting there and I'm praying for one thing and the Holy Spirit is within me saying, Father, talking within the Trinity, uh, Glenn's an idiot. And so we all know that if you gave him that thing, he would blow up and it would blow up on everybody around him. So Lord, instead of the dumb prayer Glenn is praying, would you do this in his life instead? Now don't get me wrong, we should try to figure out what the will of God is and we should as much as possible pray according to the will of God. But isn't it nice to know we have a safety net? That if we do pray wrong, I mean, how many of you are glad that God didn't answer some prayer of yours in the past? You know the country and western song, Praise God for Unanswered Prayer? You ever ever see that one, you know? Just go to your high school reunion and thank God for unanswered prayer. All right? So so he the, the Holy Spirit is the one that helps with that. He's, he's the author of a Garth Brooks song. Was it Garth Brooks? I think it was Garth Brooks. Country fans, help me out later if I messed up on that. Thank God for unanswered prayer. Thank God for retranslated prayers. And so he guides us through our prayer life. He guides us through circumstances in life. The next verse after this is Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. He, he takes the circumstances of our life And he orchestrates us in order to lead them. And sometimes he leads through a closed door and sometimes through an open door. But circumstances uh, can be another way in combination with God's word and with prayer. And I love this one here. I, I never looked at this verse in this way. Common sense. The Holy Spirit uses our reason, our mind. Now, don't let that be the final authority in your life, okay? That's what the world tends to do, just whatever we think is the best idea at the time. All right, don't let that be the final authority, But in combination with circumstances, with prayer, with godly counsel of other people, the Holy Spirit speaks. That's one I didn't put down on that list. I should have put in. The counsel of godly people, and there's wisdom and multitude of counselors. Uh, All of that he uses uh, to guide us. But one of them is sanctified, Holy Spirit-inspired, common sense. Let me tell you the background to this verse in in Acts chapter 15. Most important um, church meeting in all of human history. They met together to decide if Gentiles had to become Jews before they could become Christians or could they just cut to the chase and become followers of Christ. Huge decision. Because if they had decided to just, no, you have to become a Jew first, Christianity would have become this little localized religion in, in Israel, in Judea. That's what, it, and maybe a few synagogues here and there, and just within those synagogues, little patches of Christ followers, and most of them concentrated in Israel. But that would have been it. It wouldn't have become this global thing that's in every nook and cranny of the world, and every ethnic group, and every linguistic group. It wouldn't have become, and, and they made this huge, huge decision. 
And, uh, and so on one side were, um, I mean, not to stereotype all decisions like this, but it was the biggest traditionalist versus contemporary debate in all of human history. Because uh, the traditionalists, the, the Jewish people, they were saying, no, 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 they got to become, they got to become Christians, uh, Jews first, then they can follow Christ. And, and then the other ones, Paul, uh, he was out there um, leading Gentiles to Christ left and right. And he says, no, 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 they don't have to become Jews first. They can directly become a follower of Christ. So it's a huge decision. And so they came up with it. And it's interesting what they say here in verse 28, when they send the results of this conference out to the churches to give them their decision. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us, okay? So the Holy Spirit led them through prayer, through God's word, through circumstances. Peter, you know, had that vision where God said, don't call unclean what I've called clean. So all those things were working, godly counsel, multitude of counselors, but part of it was just common sense that this good news was not limited to one ethno-linguistic group. That this good news was not meant by God to just be limited to one people group. It was just common sense that it was made for everybody. And so they used the guidance of the Holy Spirit and to us their own sanctified common sense not to burden you with anything beyond the following uh, requirements. Uh, another one is closed doors. Now, maybe you're just brokenhearted today because God has closed a door in your life. And I don't know what that is a business opportunity, or he's closed the door on a job, closed the door on a house. Uh, maybe God has closed the door on a relationship of somebody you were dating and you thought they were the one. God closed that door. But let me just encourage you that God can work through the brokenheartedness of closed doors every bit as much as he can open doors. How many of, how many of you, God has worked in your life through a closed door, okay? An unanswered prayer. And here's a great example of this. We actually covered this a few weeks ago. Acts 16, verses 6 and 7. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit, a closed door, from preaching the word, a good thing. Okay, here was a closed door on a good thing. I mean, preaching the word in the province of Asia sounds like a good idea to me. How's God against that? Well, it wasn't his timing. Later he would get there, but it wasn't according. It has to be God's will done God's way according to his timing. And it wasn't his timing. So the spirit of Jesus uh, stopped him. Then verse seven, when they came to the board of Mycenae, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. And then you'll see that he opened a door of ministry in the next couple of verses if you read that context. And then waiting, okay? Got to do it God's will, God's way, according to God's watch, God's timetable, okay? Watch, so they all start with W because that's very important uh, for a Baptist preacher to get those three W's lined up. So his will, according to his way, according to his timetable, according to his watch. And, and so you, you gotta learn to wait. And that, how, many of that, how many of you, that is one of the toughest things of the Christian life, the waiting part, my goodness. And if you can read that story on your own, but really the difference between the successful walk with God that David had and the unsuccessful walk with God that Saul had was basically this issue of waiting. David was willing to wait for God's timing. Saul was not willing to wait. And that led Saul into disaster and David into great blessing. Now, having done all those things and maybe a half a dozen that I haven't mentioned that you can come up with, um, once we come up with the best decision we can, I, I love this prayer. <laughs> I just came across it in the last couple of weeks. Renee Pache. Lord, we wish to do thy will and not ours. 
guide us. We consider this to be the best solution. Lord, we've had a multitude of counselors, circumstances, your word, prayer, closed doors, open doors. We've waited. We think it's your timetable. It's, it's time to go. So we, we consider this to be the best solution, and we are adhering to it. We're going to go for it. But if the decision we have taken is not pleasing to thee, wilt thou prevent us from carrying it out? Isn't that awesome? that awesome? Lord, um, you know, you got to do the work. You can't just say, hey, I'm going to try it. God, stop me if I shouldn't do this, okay? God, I'm about to do a major sin. You stop me. Hey, he didn't stop me. No. You do all the other things. You do the work of it. But once you honestly say, I think this is the best decision, then, then you just pray, God, I'm going to go for it. And, and, and God is merciful the way, boy, he stopped me from doing some stuff that I thought was the, the right decision. Um, you know, my friend Tom Mercer, pastor of that great church up in Victorville, the High Desert Church, he has this saying that has become one of my the poor pastors. They have to hear me say this all the time. But it has been such a helpful saying, especially as our church gets larger and more complex. He says, try to make the least bad decision. <laughs> boy, that's kind of depressing, isn't it, okay? The least bad decision. Boy, that, that is so helpful. After you've done everything, make the least bad decision. I mean, it's been helpful in our church because I tell you, the bigger our church gets and the more complex it gets, it's hard to make decisions because every time we do something we believe will be a blessing and help us reach people for Christ over here, it has unintended consequences that, that happen over here. And so it may bless this group of people, but it may not be as much a blessing to this group of people. And, and we're just always trying to figure out the will of God in that Okay, and, and so it's so, you know, so he just said, just make the least bad decision and trust God with the results and pray after you've made all that work. Lord, now if this is in, still, I've missed something. Protect Purpose Church from their idiot pastor in this new decision, okay? Lord, Lord protect, protect Purpose Church. He, he, he goes that way, okay? Um, and, and so, but the Holy Spirit, he wants to lead us more than we want to be led. He loves you so much. He loves you so much. And he wants you to make the right decision more than, than you even want it for yourself. And then this is really appropriate for the next 7 to 14 days. 7 days till Palm Sunday. 12 days till Good Friday. 14 days till Easter Sunday. Five opportunities for connecting people to Jesus over the next 14 days. 7 days till Palm Sunday. Palm Sundays, I'm going to preach a sermon called The, the Case for Christ an apologetics message to, in the defense of, of Jesus Christ historically and biblically. And, uh, and, and that's a great opportunity to bring a friend or a friend with children who wants to do the Easter egg hunt, okay? Um, Twelve days from today, the Good Friday service. Maybe your friend is most best reached, somebody in your oikos is best reached through a more quiet contemplative service. Well, that's what our 7 o'clock on Good Friday service is. It's more quiet, solemn, contemplative. Uh, maybe on Easter Sunday, your friend is best reached by an indoor service, 8 o'clock here on Easter Sunday morning. Or maybe many will be reached best through uh, at the Fairplex, an outdoor service at 9 and 11. Um, like I've said many times, many of your friends are nervous about coming to a church building, but they will go to a neutral location uh, like the fairgrounds. And so the Holy Spirit wants to help us be a witness over the next 12 days. Uh, Acts chapter 8, verse 29. The Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. 
And here's what I'm praying for you as my church family. I, I am praying that the Holy Spirit is going to tell you who to give this ticket to. I'm praying that he's going to tell you what chariot, to, what person in a chariot to go and stay near it. Okay? I'm praying he's going to show you um, which one to put that on. I'm praying he's going to show you whose chariot to put this bumper sticker on. Okay? I couldn't resist that one. That was good. That just came to me, man. That, 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 that's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit there speaking to me. He's going to tell you what lawn to stick that sign on, all right? But most importantly, he's going to tell you who to give this invitation piece to. Holy Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot. And you know what happened to the guy in the chariot? He got baptized. And maybe God's leading you to be baptized this Easter or somebody you know, and God's going to use you to, for somebody to go to heaven and, and, and come to Christ and follow him publicly in baptism and get connected with a local church and, and all those things that happened from that lawn sign story uh, that I told you earlier. And he's going to give you power to do it. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. And, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Pomona and in all Judea, in uh, all Laverne and all San Dimas and to the ends of the earth. Fontana, Covina, Barstow, Banning, uh, to the ends of the earth. He's going to help us wherever you work, wherever your oikos is, where you work, where you go to school, where you live, wherever your family is. And he's going to give you the power. He's going to be with you when you hand that invitation piece uh, to them. Um, There's going to be power there. Had a great thing happen at the 1111 service last Sunday. This is like so awesome for me at least. Okay, I enjoyed it. Um, I was talking about, if you remember from my message, I talked about, you know, maybe you'll see lightning when you come to Christ, or maybe hear thunder, or maybe you won't. And right when I said the thunder of God, I, I literally said those words, the thunder of God, the building roared and began to shake. And people at the level 11, they just went crazy. It was like, it was awesome, man. It was just awesome. Now, what it was, was, you know, they had the NASCAR race over in Fontana, and you know how if you go to these big sporting events, at, right at the National Anthem, they, they kind of circle about 10 miles away, and then they give the signal, and they come in for the National Anthem. So right at the end of the National Anthem, some big honking jet comes out of the sky. Okay, it's like awesome. If you've ever been at one of those, it's just terrific. Well, that thing came over our church right at the moment I said, the thunder of God. And I tell you, I was a prophet with honor in my own house. I mean, I... It, it was just a, a great, great moment, you know. But there'll be power. There'll be power. He's going to be with you. Let's finish with this verse. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 4. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words. Don't feel like when you hand this to somebody, you have to have wise and persuasive words. Okay, do work on how you're going to say it. Don't hand it to them. Here, this will keep you out of hell. Don't say something like that. <laughs> I mean, think about how to be wise. Think about how to be persuasive. But know that even if you're not perfect in those areas, there'll be a demonstration of the Spirit's power. The Holy Spirit is going to be right there with you. You will bring joy. And whether the person accepts it or declines, you're still doing it out of obedience to the Holy Spirit. And God's going to use you, use us, to change our little slice of the world for Jesus Christ.
Now, what better way to start into Easter two weeks, building up the Holy Week, Palm Sunday into Holy Week, Good Friday, Easter Sunday, than to share the Lord's Supper, to remember his death on the cross. The bread is his body that was given for us. The cup is his blood that was shed for us. Uh, what better way to do that? And everybody here, you're welcome to share the Lord's Supper. You just need to know that you've, you're a follower of Jesus. You say, Glenn, how would I know if I've done that or if I'd like to do it today? How would I go about doing it? If you look to that resource card that's right there in front of you in the book rack, you see it right there in front of you in the book rack, it says resource. And at the top it says how to become a follower of Jesus. And then there's three things the Bible talks about and then a little suggested prayer that kind of summarizes those things. And if you've ever prayed that prayer or something like it in the past, or if you'd like to pray that right now, what better way to prepare for Holy Week, for Palm Sunday, for Holy Week, for Easter Sunday, than to know that you're a follower of Jesus Christ. This could be your best Easter ever. And so I encourage you, if you've never done it, to receive Christ right now. uh, And then take the cup and the bread uh, as, as an outward expression of the inward commitment you have to Christ. You can pray in si- you know, silence, receiving him, but then you show it outwardly through baptism and then through the cup and the bread. It's a, it's a regular reminder outwardly that you're a follower of Jesus Christ. So let's take a moment now and prepare our hearts to receive the Lord's Supper.